May the Lord bless you. All brothers and sisters, God bless you worldwide in all the places where I am being watched. And, well, don't get too used to seeing me every week because I have started to resume my travels for the Bible studies. So it is a little bit hard for me to be with you every Sunday, but every time I'm able to, I will so that I don't get out of the habit. And so also not to get you out of the habit because in the Bible there are so many riches. There is a hidden treasure in the Bible and we need a lot of time to reflect on every book, every chapter. It is also interesting. Sometimes we read a chapter and it is so interesting. It has such great riches whichever chapter we read in the Bible. So my desire with all my heart is to be with you on a Sunday. Maybe there will be some time where I will be absent, but when I do have the opportunity, I will be with you to continue with the teachings because there is so much to read. For example, we are now reading Acts of the Apostles, which is are the experiences of the first disciples when the church of our Lord Jesus Christ began with the apostles on the day of Pentecost. So we are going to be reading because this is history. It's a narration of everything, the apostles, and also some miracles God carried out, certain situations and events that transpired, and we all learn greatly from this. So the Bible studies, they are important because with the Bible studies, there are questions. The brothers and sisters ask their questions. And this is important for the edification of our spiritual life, the spiritual life of all. The Bible studies are of great spiritual importance and I don't want to stop doing them. So I will need to divide my time between these things. Now, what can we also say about the reflections that we also do for the pastors? And we learn a lot of things. And we hope that God acts in our hearts, that God have mercy of us all and prepare our hearts to learn and to put to practice and obey the great work of our God, the work God has put before all of us, and that we all be responsible and fulfill all of the orders of God. When we read in the Old Testament all of the commands God gave to Moses that the people of Israel needed to do, well, we also see the Holy Spirit reflected in our lives, in the way that he commands us to do certain things, he tells us we must work, we must continue on and win over many souls for God, that we need to evangelize and set a good example and testimony. So the work continues. God continues to work with man. So this is why, my dear brothers and sisters, on Sunday, when I am not with you, do not think that everything has ended but I am probably in another place doing a Bible study. And this is why I have to divide my time. But I feel very happy and joyful, very glad.
because of all of the spiritual results we have seen, all of the miracles, wonders, and deeds God has worked, everything God did throughout the pandemic and after, we have seen the fruits. We have seen many new faces in the churches, many people who throughout the pandemic listened to the teachings and were pleased by them and God brought them to the church, to the congregation. So this fills us with great satisfaction. So you may be seated. God bless all the brothers and sisters who are here with me in Weston. God bless you too. Everyone may have a seat. You may get comfortable. And today we have prepared to read because we are going to be reading in Acts chapter number 3. We're going to read Acts chapter 3. And with joy, we're going to read and we're going to see what we find for ourselves. What will we find for our spiritual life? For our spiritual growth, the growth of our spiritual life, to understand the doctrine and put it to practice, obeying God, coming with a sincere heart, and being very careful, all of us, we must be careful to not be hypocrites with God. Hypocrisy is when you pretend. You pretend a feeling that you do not truly have. You do not really feel or live in your heart. And you just pretend. And with God, perhaps you may fall into that sin of hypocrisy. When we come to church, or when we say, Lord, Lord, or when we say, I believe in you, Lord, or I love you, I praise you. But on the other hand, I am sinning. A life full of errors, of flaws, of sins, where my spiritual life is destroyed. And I also destroy the spiritual lives of others, of many. So I go to church and I just pretend. That is hypocrisy with God. When you appear to be one thing in the congregation and before people, but at home, in private, you're a different person. I once heard in Colombia, people would say, well, that person has become the devil. That person has become the devil, and it was because they were doing things that were unpleasant, that were wrong, doing things very incorrectly, and that is not what they were proving to be in reality. It was all appearances. So people had no other way of calling this out, calling out these actions, and this is why they said, well, this person has become a devil. But we don't say they've become the devil. We simply say, this person lacks sincerity. This person is a hypocrite with God. Because they preach, they teach, and they pretend to have God. But on the other hand, they are committing very serious sins. May God protect us from these things. May God help us 
so that we do not fall into these types of errors. And when we are reading this book of Acts, we're going to find many experiences where we are going to be spiritually edified and we are going to imitate what is good to be very careful with what is wrong so that we discard it. And so it reads in chapter 3 in Acts, and it talks about Peter and John, apostles of the Lord. And it says that Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Now, when it says that they went up together to the temple, this was the temple of the Jews because there was no other place where they could congregate the apostles or the disciples of the Lord. They had no other place for them to come together to worship God, glorify God, and to show God's greatness what they had received from the Lord such as the manifestation of the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts and the miracles and signs. As there was no other place because they were just starting off, they would go to the temple of the Jews to pray. And it says in verse number two, And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms. Now, what we see here is that this was actually not the main temple. It was a synagogue, and it was called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter, so this uh, lame man, and he was lame from his mother's womb, when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he, this person, this lame man, gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. Now what did he have? He had our Lord, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is what he had in his heart. That's what Peter had, the Spirit of God. And he tells him, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Glory to the Lord. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Now, what we see here is a miracle. One of the miracles that the apostles began to carry out. 
And it says, then they knew that it was he, meaning the people, they recognized this person, that he was the person who would sit at the gate of the temple begging for alms. And it says, then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, as the lame man who was healed on to Peter and John, so he, he held on to them. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. Now, when it talks about the porch, which is called Solomon, it's a door or a gate that the city of Jerusalem had emergency exits. And through these doors, people would exit out of those who had chariots. They would go through the main door. But in order for them to get out more quickly, they would use these porches and every porch had a name. There was an east one, a west one, a north one of the city of the wall. That's where these porches were. And they were at the porch, which was called Solomon's. Now, seeing all of this, we can just imagine all of the people who came to see the miracle. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers. Now the fathers were Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it says, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. So he is judging and accusing the people that they themselves delivered up the Son of God. They delivered him before Pilate. And Pilate was a stranger who did not belong to the people of Israel. And here they were judging them, criticizing them, and holding this against the people who had done these things against our Lord Jesus. And he says to them, or Peter says to the people in 14, but you denied the Holy One and the just, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And so, this here is retelling and reminding them of what happened. Now, when did these things happen? When did they ask for a murderer? Because they asked, the people asked Pilate and said, Deliver up Jesus. He must be crucified because he is evil. He's a murderer. 
And this is why Peter then says to them, look at what you've done. You denied the Lord. You denied him. And you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. That murderer was Barabbas. Let us read a little in Luke 23. In Luke 23, from verse 13 to 25, let us read about this event. When the people denied our Lord Jesus Christ. And when they asked Pilate not to save our Lord's life, but to condemn him to death, and that they would rather take the murderer who had committed so many crimes, that he should be set free. And we find that here in Luke 23. 13 to 25, it reads as follows. Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. No, neither did Herod, for I sent you back to him. And indeed, nothing deserving of death has been done by him. We see here how Pilate tried to defend our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 16, Pilate says, I will therefore chastise him and release him. For it was necessary for him to release one to them at the feast. So every year when they celebrated the Passover, Pilate, he would release a prisoner. Or a murderer who had been imprisoned, he would release him. That is what he would do every year on the Passover, which was the Jewish feast. Now, as it was precisely those days the days of the Passover feast, this is why Pilate says, I'm going to release Jesus. And then we can punish him. And as he was accustomed to releasing someone every year in verse 18, he says, and they all cried out at one saying, just as Peter had told all of those who were curious in seeing the miracle of the lame man, all of the people were looking, observing. They were amazed by that miracle. And Peter tells them, you, you delivered the just one, the holy one, before Pilate. You had no consideration. So this is why in verse 18, it says, And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas. Barabbas was the murderer. And it says, This Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion, made in the city and for murder. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Then he said to them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. 
But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priests. Now, we can see here that the chief Jewish priests were present and they prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, meaning Barabbas. But he delivered Jesus to their will. And what cruelty. And so now going back to Acts, going back to Acts 3, in 14, and this is why Peter, he says that they killed the prince of life in verse 15. And it reads, and killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all, meaning in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Son of God, of that Jesus Christ who was scorned, who was judged, who was condemned and killed. But that now this Jesus, who had resurrected, was now manifesting himself in the lives of all of the hearts of the believers. And there, the church of our Lord was being formed. The true people of God. The people of Israel in the spiritual sense. That nation that God wanted from the beginning to raise up to be a nation that was special, unique, a holy, perfect nation, distinguished from among other nations, among all of the other peoples of the world, and who God wanted to manifest himself to these people. He wanted to rule over and be their king and to bless the people. For them to know what joy is, what peace is, for them to know the blessings and to walk with God, to walk by the Lord's hand, pleasing him. That was the nation that God envisioned in his mind, in his thoughts. And God, this is why he formed the people of Israel through Moses. But those people failed him. And look at what they did. They did not believe him. The people failed God. And as they failed God and sinned, and as no one was worthy or deserving of God's blessing, and there was not one who did God's will, this is why God also had a plan B. And it was to form his spiritual people of Israel, 
his holy people, his people where God would be with them and in whose hearts it would be the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this is why our God planned for the coming of the Holy One, the Just One, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He planned and it says he became flesh. He became flesh for some time and was among people. He was with men. He was with people. He dwelled and lived like a human being. That flesh that he formed, he gave the name Jesus of Nazareth. And he, he did begin to do God's work. And he did fulfill the commandments because, yes, he lived as a human being, but fulfill the commandments in all of the law of Moses, all of the rest of the statutes, judgments, precepts. He kept it all to then later make it null because he knew the plan that was to come. He knew that death awaited, but he also knew resurrection awaited him. And this is why he begins to form his people with the apostles. And he gives them commands. He teaches them. He teaches them the law. He tells them that they need to keep the law. And then he teaches them the kingdom of heaven. He teaches them that better days are coming in the future. That true joy, true peace. That walking with God, living with God, dwelling with the Lord was what awaited them. Those moments were coming. That time was approaching. This is why the apostles, they believed the Lord and followed him. They suffered alongside him, but the Lord gave them power. When the Lord died and when he resurrected, he gave power to the apostles so that they could be able to withstand Evil days, times of trouble and tribulation, times of persecution of the devil. And that is how the apostles, they were strong and courageous in the Lord's ways. And they faced the people of Israel, this Jewish nation. They faced them and we see the miracles. We see the work and the mercy that God begins to carry out through his apostles because it was the beginning of his holy nation, that true Zion, that spiritual Jerusalem, that spiritual nation of Israel. This is when these people began to be formed. So we feel very proud today to be here participating in this spiritual nation and in the presence of our God and the spiritual gifts, because everything that these apostles lived back in that time over 2,000 years ago Today we are experiencing it and we feel the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. Glory to the Lord. This is why we believe in the Lord and we believe in God, that God lives. Glory to the Lord. All right, so now I'm going to continue in the scripture. Now that we have understood the context, we are a new nation. We are the people of Israel spiritually no longer is there a physical nation. That physical nation has been forgotten and is now in a museum. The physical nation is now in a museum. But today, what continues is the spiritual one. 
And the spiritual one is now roaming throughout all the world because it is made up of people of many nations who will believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the Lord, and they will follow him and will receive the power from the Holy Spirit. And so it says in verse 17, Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. So they did what they did by killing our Lord Jesus Christ. They did that out of ignorance. And it says, But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, glory to God, prophets like Isaiah, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Zechariah, Ezekiel, all of them, Daniel, all of those prophets, Moses, all of them had spoken and had announced and prophesied regarding what was to come in the future. And that future was Jesus Christ of Nazareth, his new nation, his church, the new method of salvation, the true gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what the prophets announced in antiquity. So it says, But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted. Why does he tell them to repent? He tells them to repent because they had been evildoers. The evildoers who had condemned the just one. They condemned him to death. And this is why the apostle tells the people, you must repent. Repent from having delivered up Jesus of Nazareth, delivering him to Pilate and condemning him to death. Repent from that, he tells them. Repent and convert to the Lord. Believe. Believe our Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is God. He was sent by God. He was promised. He is the precursor of salvation, the perfect king who would be ruling and now began to rule even from that time and even to this day he rules. So that perfect king is there. Convert to him, believe in him, trust in him. He is spirit. He is not a statue. He is not an image. He is not a postage stamp. No, he is spirit because God is spirit. So convert to the Lord so that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before. Now when will our Father once again send our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, one day in the clouds, that is what the word says, that he will return in the clouds to gather his church made up of people from all nations. And in Isaiah, it says that they will be taken from the ends of the earth. They will fly like birds, like doves. All will come and gather in one place where the Lord is hidden in the clouds. The clouds shall hide him. And there the Lord will receive his church, his people. That will happen. It will happen. 
Even if we have already died, that is not important because the dead will resurrect. Those who have died in Christ will resurrect, will ascend and fly like doves to the Lord's presence in the clouds. That is what the Bible says, and we believe that. And so it continues to say, And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. Now the apostles were telling people that it was necessary for the heavens to receive the Lord for a certain time. It says, until the times of restoration of all things. And the restoration of all things means the fulfillment of the evangelizing work throughout all the world. When the Lord told his apostles, he told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, every human being. And he who believes shall be baptized and those who won't will be condemned. And so that is the restoration of all things. So we once again read in verse 21, it reads as follows, Whom heaven must receive, meaning Jesus Christ, he ascended into the heavens, and it, it was necessary for the heavens to receive him until the times of restoration of all things, until the gospel is preached to all the world. And when the church is made up, when the church of the Lord is made up of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, the churches all must have these requirements to be able to say we are walking in the Lord's ways. When the church is perfect and holy because the spiritual gifts or these people, these apostles, these teachers, these evangelists, they would be the ones in charge of perfecting every believer, every man, every woman, perfecting them, sanctifying them with the spiritual gifts. Because then God will reveal to the prophet, will reveal that that believer is not walking uprightly before God and is committing this or that sin then they will be admonished and that person will say, I repent or I am leaving here. And they have to make a decision. They say, well, I will repent because I want to follow the Lord's ways. And they repent and that means they have been sanctified. They begin to live an upright, perfect life before God. And that is what the prophets, evangelists, teachers, and apostles are for. That's why they are in the church it is to cleanse and to perfect the hearts of all of those who come and who want to continue in the Lord's ways. And so teaching the word and teaching the doctrine as well. So here it says that in verse 22, well, in 21, we didn't finish reading it when it says, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, Moses said to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to the children of Jacob, he said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet 
like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. Meaning, Moses was saying that the Lord was going to raise up a prophet like him, and that prophet was our Lord Jesus Christ. But let's read in Deuteronomy 18. Let us read in Deuteronomy 18, where we find the promise fulfilled. Here in Deuteronomy 18, we will read from verse 15 to 19. These promises, which reads, because we need to prove what the prophet said, Moses, and it says here in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, the Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Oreb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren. And will put my words in his mouth, in the mouth of that prophet, referring to our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, And will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, so any man or any woman who will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. So our God immediately is saying, if anyone does not heed the words of that prophet, who was our Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of God, that our God will require it of him. They will require to render account and will be punished. And this matter is very sad and we don't even want to imagine what would happen when those who reject our God are in the Lord's presence, and the Lord then begins to judge and punish for not having believed in him. So we return back to Acts 3 in verse 23. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet, because in verse 22, I'm going to repeat that again, for Moses truly said to the fathers, we read in Deuteronomy already how Moses spoke to all the people of Israel and told them God would raise up a prophet like him and that this prophet needed to be heard. They needed to hear him. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul, every man or woman, any human being who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. They will be removed from God's presence. And that prophet was our Lord Jesus Christ. He is who the prophets preached about. 
mentioning him and sharing with the people and telling them how from antiquity God had already announced the coming of this great prophet and that he would be like Moses and he needed to be respected, heard, revered. That was the preaching of these apostles. So verse 24 reads, Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. So also the prophet Samuel and all of the others, King David, God announced to them that this great prophet would come in the future. Let's take a look at, for example, the prophetic book of Isaiah. He speaks in that book everything that concerns our Lord Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, the King who would come, the Savior that would come in the future. These prophets, Ezekiel, all of them, Jeremiah, God used them all, all of those prophets that prophesied during the time of the kings, all prophesied concerning this great prophet that would come in the future. They named him the great prophet, the apostles, during their preaching. And out of prudence to all of the people that were listening, they said, yes, Moses prophesied this, that God would raise up a prophet like him, and he needed to be heard. This is why we are preaching Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So what prudence the apostles used in that moment. They simply said he was a prophet. They did not want to say anything else to avoid being stoned, and rather be actually heard. So, that is how they spoke to him. And it says, And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and thus who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are the sons of the prophets, it says. Now, the apostles, we see how, how with their prudence... They were preaching among the people that were very curious in seeing the miracle that had been worked with the lame man. They began to preach in a very subtle way, a very prudent way, as to not create immediate enemies or for them to grab stones and stone them. But they did things wisely because look at what they said. They said, you are the sons of the prophets. He is giving them rank and importance. You people. He doesn't say you are evil. You have sinned. You are ignorant. You do not know God's word. And you will be condemned. He did not say that. He said you. You are the sons of the prophets. Imagine how they felt in that moment when the apostle said that. Oh, yes, we are the sons of those prophets of antiquity. How beautiful. That's beautiful. I'm important. Prudence, wisdom, subtleness to preach and not to offend those who were very wrathful and furious. 
because they did not believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. They did not believe in him, but they needed to be convinced in one way or another. Glory to our God. Glory be to our God because he gives us the tools. And it reads, You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And how nice it would be to read in Genesis 22, 15 to 18, to see the promise that God made to Abraham in reference to what the apostles in this moment were preaching. So in Genesis 22, verse 15 to 18, let us read. Because all of the scriptures here are so important, but we don't have enough time to read it all. So in verse 15, Genesis 22, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Oh, well, let's remember what happened. God told Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac and Abraham went to go sacrifice his son Isaac because God commanded him and he wanted to please God in all things. So he went to sacrifice his only son. And in the moment when he was going to sacrifice him, the angel of the Lord stopped Abraham. He told him, stop, do not lay your hand on the lad. It is enough. I have tested your faith and I have tested your obedience. You have obeyed me and I see that you love me. Because you love me more than your son. So he told him not to do it. And God rewarded him. And this is the reward. Now the reward is. It reads. Then the angel of the Lord. Said to Abraham. By myself I have sworn says the Lord. Because you have done this thing. And have not withheld your son. Your only son. Blessing I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies and your descendants. So speaking of the descendants and the descendants, we're going to take a look and then we're going to actually say who are those descendants. Verse 18, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So when it says here that his descendants would be as the stars of the heaven and as the sand of the seashore, and that his descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies, meaning the church, the power of the church, the power of the holy people, the people of God, the holy nation, because yes, there will be a holy nation. And surely it already exists, that holy nation, that perfect people, because our Lord Jesus Christ is going to perfect his church to be holy, pure, without spot, so that he may present it to himself. And so this promise God made to Abraham, let us return back to Acts. 
And it reads in verse 26 or 25, it reads, you are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, now remember the angel of the Lord presented himself to Abraham and said, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now Abraham's seed is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the seed of Abraham. And do you know who the descendants of Abraham are when it says, your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies? Well, the descendants are all the believers, the followers of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. The followers of the true gospel. It is all those who will have the spiritual gifts of the spirit of God, the power of God, power from on high. They will be endowed with power from on high to work miracles and signs to show the world God's power manifested in a human being that has believed in Jesus Christ and who has converted into the people of God, the holy nation of God, the descendants of Abraham, the seed. The seed, Jesus Christ, is the seed. Glory to the Lord. And in 26, To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. So that is the sermon that these disciples, Peter and John, there in the temple called Beautiful, they preached and they said to the people that those wonders that they had just seen, that miracle of the lame man, it was none other, none other than the Holy Seed the seed, the descendant of Abraham, our Lord Jesus Christ, the promised one, that promise spoken by the mouths of all of the prophets of antiquity from the time of Moses and onward. And they were speaking to them, telling them, you, you who will now convert, with this preaching, you will now be participants. You will now be a part of that seed of those descendants. Glory to our God. But today, now that over 2,000 years have passed and our God has never forgotten his people and we are here. before a God in spirit, a God of power, who has manifested himself in our lives. And we have seen many miracles and healings. And this of this lame man, we have seen this today. Great miracles and wonders that God has worked in many different ways. The Holy Spirit has manifested himself in our lives. God has made us wonderful promises for now over 60 years, those promises that have been made and each day fulfilling, 
fulfilling to this day. And here, with the presence of the Holy Spirit, ardently desiring the spiritual gifts that everyone receive them, that the entire congregation in over 60 countries, that in every place the Spirit of God may manifest himself with the spiritual gifts and give you power from on high. Power. Power to work wonders, miracles, and great deeds in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of God, our God, our King, our Lord. The honor and the glory be for our God. I invite you to read the Bible. Read the Bible, but read it with your heart. Do not read it like a story. Do not read it like another piece of literature. Do not read it as a narration. Read the Bible because it is the word of God as if God were speaking to you. That is how you should read it. That it is God who is speaking to you, giving you commands. That's how you must read. And that is how that power from on high will come and fill you. And you will have a change of life, a transformation, and your heart will be glad. Let us pray to our God. Holy Father, Heavenly Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, of Moses, God of the twelve sons of Israel, of Jacob, whom you formed a nation from, and you spoke to them and you manifested yourself to them. You gave them laws, statutes that they had to keep, but your word does not change. You have not changed. You are the same yesterday and today. You are that mighty God. And today we feel your presence as that God who spoke to Abraham and Moses. That is how we feel you today, just the same. You are the same. Glory to your name. Praises to your name forever. Blessed is the Lord. Thank you, my God. Thank you, Lord. I pray to you, my Father that you clothe us with power from on high, that you may raise up in all congregations, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and great pastors, that you may raise them up in each place for the perfection of the church so that all may live a holy, upright life before you because you deserve it, so that all may praise you, seek you, that they may love your name and glorify you, my Father, because you are worthy, worthy of all praise, worthy of all honor and glory. Glory to you, Lord. Thank you, my God. We ask for your mercy today, Lord, and healings. Healings, Lord, and look at the different physical diseases of our body and our physical decline and our physical wear and tear. And human beings, there are different illnesses that are produced. And we pray, Lord, that you stretch out your hand, that you work miracles and signs, that you cleanse and that you deliver. And also of those spiritual diseases, mental illnesses, and witchcraft, sorcery, curses. Look at the work of the enemy. Those evil spirits that come and torment a person and takes their peace away. 
takes away their joy and their sanity. Lord, have mercy. In the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, we ask you, Lord, that you stretch out your mighty hand upon each person, those that are ill and who need of you. May you stretch out your healing hand and cleanse us, Lord. Heal us and rebuke the enemy so that he does not come to harm us. Help us to serve you and do your will. We want to please you, Father. Thank you. In the glorious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Glory to the Lord. Glory to God. Yo sé que estás aquí, Señor. Yo sé que estás aquí. Yo sé que estás aquí, Señor. Yo sé que estás aquí. Mi alma te alaba. Mi alma te alaba. Mi alma te alaba. Porque sé que estás aquí. Mi alma te alaba. Porque sé que estás aquí, yo sé que estás aquí, Señor, yo sé que estás aquí, yo sé que estás aquí, Señor, yo sé que estás aquí, mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba, porque sé que estás aquí. Mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba, porque sé que estás aquí. Honor the glory be for our God. Thank you very much, dear brothers and sisters, to all. May you be very well, and may you receive many blessings from the Lord. Many hugs to you all. And for all the children, kisses as usual, and God bless you. And to all the brothers and sisters here with me, God bless you. Thank you very much. Until next time, thank you.